previously on Hashtag Cage Talk. Cage Talk is back. Nicholas Cage is unreal. Oh, gag me. Was stalking just the Facebook of the 40s? Before there was rap battles, there was tap battles. He wants to be a bird. Be a bird, be in a bird, we're not exactly sure. I like Grease Bum Boy. Then you love a Harvard man. Peggy, have you seen a penis? She was driven by the lust for a child. Moonstruck. Hey, does anyone need a ride? His own fear got him rock hard. Gives a cigarette to a gecko. He's got pain. On his head. This is hot as the Georgia asphalt, dude. You want some of my peach? Honeymoon in Vegas. You got a honeymoon in Vegas. Sex Grease brand personal lubricant, Mr. Terry Bolega. We're gonna make you freak out! Was that Scotch Australian? It could happen to you. We watched Trapped in Thunder. Kiss of Death. Honesty is like, it's, it's a myth, you know? A bunch of jerk-off white dudes. You were doing a real hard cock <laughs> And that was invented by L. Ron Hubble. That's too many Kurt Angles. A city full of them, it couldn't sustain itself. Hashtag snack chat. Why do they give you eight hot dog buns? Because I only spit facts. F-A-X. 50 super horny dudes named Quaid. Are you a psycho? Captain Coriolis. 2001, you gotta be fucking kidding. I don't know, maybe you shouldn't hear everything but you it, believe. His mom fucked him before he was 12. Not that com, but that com. Here we are, Cuss Free Podcast. Bridget Moynana. Hello, America! Clickety clack, Nick Cage strikes back. Like, fuck, Nick Cage, goddammit, motherfucker. It's Nick Cage, it's a great movie. Fuck off. You might get a load of Cage. We're always bringing you a load of Cage. Here at 50, Randy Quades. Get intimate with Chuck Banner and AT Money on hashtag Cage Talk. Welcome and. We love you. Fifty Randy Quids. Always remember? No. Fifty Randy Quids. It's never forget, actually. Fifty Randy Quids. Don't forget about it. We watch movies so you don't have to. Cage Talk. Welcome to Fifty Randy Quids. 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 I am your host with the most Nicolas Cage movies, Chuck Banner. And with me, my co-host as always. JT, Port Authority Mustache That was a fucking mustache. It was two. It was like five. No, there was like dozens of mustaches, man. There was tons of them. It's a movie about cops. And with us is our special returning guest, Jonas Spade. You know that's right. You know what else is special about this episode, Chuck and Johnny? It's a return. Always remember? No, it's never forget, actually, if we're going to go with... Never forget. Um, but no, what's... Hey, always remember, never forget. They're basically the same slogan. Yes, but what's really special about this episode is it's a return to hashtag Cage Talk. Cage Talk Edition. Yeah, see, I can't do that voice. Mine was terrible. So you do? Can you do that again? Hashtag Cage Talk Edition. Much better. Oh 
Yeah. What episode is this? What what movie was this? What happened, Chuck? This is episode 113. Hashtag Cage Talk 45. World Trade Center. On what other day would we, the fine folks of 50 Randy Quades, present to you, our listening audience, Nicolas Cage's 45th classic movie, World Trade Center. Of course. 9-11, Yeah, we always remembered. Yeah, and we never forgot. And just in case you forgot, we watched World Trade Center. If you have any questions or comments, you can go to victorrandyquays.com. You can let us know what the fuck is up. I feel like we haven't expressed a very somber tone from the outset of this episode, and maybe we don't need to, but we should also perhaps have a moment of silence for the Port Port Authority mustaches that we lost that day. All right, we're going to have a moment of silence right about now. And we are back for the first time in this podcast because we will be leaving you shortly after, you know, I mean, I just got to break it down for you guys real quick. You know, the world saw evil that day. Two men saw something else. Yeah, a building falling on top of them. Yeah, yeah. They they watch they watched that happen a couple of times, like that. Man, what a fucked up thing to live through and survive. I guess if you're living through it, yeah. you survive it. But you know what I mean. Yeah, I got you. I feel you. I know what you're saying. And and one one last thing I want to let you guys know before we uh, cut to the trailer for World Trade Center. Why is it a question? On America's darkest day, two men held on, held on to hope. I like that tagline better. They're both pretty cheesy, but... Oh, there was four. These are the best Oh, that's that's hard to hear. All right, so here's the trailer for World Trade Center. Working Tuesday, September 11. Color for the day is green. As always, protect yourselves, watch each other's backs. We have unconfirmed reports this morning that a plane has crashed into one of the towers of the World Trade Center. Prepared for everything. Not this. Not for some of this size. There's no plan. Okay, listen up. We gotta evacuate the tower. Who's coming? Step forward. I got it, Sarge. I'll go. Sarge. All right. Follow me. Stay together.
You still see the light? Time. Conspiracy theorists. I mean, there's a lot of well, conspiracy of theorists might there. say that we're back for the second time mirrors the fact that there were two towers that were hit. So we are a, there were. we're a part of the the conspiracy here at Fifty Randy Quaid somehow. Somehow, you know, 19 years later, I don't know how that really plays into it. I guess it can't. Um, it would actually be exactly 19 years later today. The release of this episode. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Approximately 19 years. But you know what I'm going to have to say to you guys about that? Why don't you guys just forget about it? <laughs> forget about it. Forget. I don't know. I can't do it. Forget about it. You just got to throw that New York in there forget because this is a it. movie all about New York. You know, forget about it. <laughs> you know, the... the uh, Fuck, what was it? Wisconsin town again. Sheboygan. Sheboygan. Sheboygan, Wisconsin. New York. I can't do a New York, but I can do a Wisconsin. Was it that uh, Home Alone, John Candy was from Sheboygan? Oh, for sure. Yeah, the, what was it, Kenosha Kickers? No, that's right. It was Kenosha. They were the... Uh, They're talking about the Sheboygan. Yeah, I think they were going to Sheboygan. The show was in Sheboygan. Yeah, it's what? That's only a hop, skip, and a jump away from Kenosha, probably. No, because Kenosha's pretty close to the Illinois border. Sheboygan's a bit further out, if I remember yeah, well, I mean, correctly. I think I think Kenosha's like 45 minutes away. From where? Sheboygan? <laughs> no, from the, was the Illinois border. I don't think it's that far. Pretty sure it's like right over the border. I don't think it's right over the border. Okay, not like literally you cross the state line and you're in Kenosha, but like 10, 15 minutes. Well, I mean, the, maybe the county... All of this is super important in regards to what happens on September 11th, 2001. Yes, yes. Unlike um, the release date of World Trade Center, which was August 9th, 2006. That makes sense. You get it out a month early so you can get word of mouth. It made money, so obviously it made sense to get it out a little early so everyone's prepped for it by 9-11. Yeah, the five-year anniversary. Yep. Step up, beat this movie, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, man, people were stepping up to watch Step Up, dude. They just were like, I gotta step up to watch this movie. So did Talladega Nights, The Ballad of Ricky Bobby. In its, In its second that's week. That's ridiculous. So, if you guys didn't know, World Trade Center is a uh, drama historical thriller about the events that happened on 9-11. 2001. I think most of you know it was 2001. They haven't forgotten either. Always remember. What is Barnyard? Never even heard of that movie. Or Pulse. What the fuck is Pulse? Uh, This movie, World Trade Center, debuted at number three for $18.7 million. And uh, like we've already said, Talladega Nights, The Ballad of Ricky Bobby. Second week, $22.1 million. Fucking gross. 
Like, Will Ferrell used to be a gigantic box office draw. You put him in a fucking movie, it's going to make millions of dollars. Every time. What was that stretch? Like, 2003 to, like, 2007 or 8? At least, at least to 2000. This was right in the height of it. I think this was coming, like, Anchorman had already happened. I think Anchorman is the thing. Old school is what put him on the theatrical map. Where does Step Brothers fall after? In Ooh, I don't remember this? its timing. That, that like, might have been the real icing on the cake with Step Brothers, yeah. That was like 2008, I think. Okay. Step Brothers? Yeah. Okay. Because that might be the best. Yeah, it was good. I liked it. Of Will Ferrell's movies, I'm saying. Number two on that list, as Johnny Spade so callously pointed out, Step Up. Stepped up to the competition for $20.6 million in its debut week, destroying the $18.7 million made by World Trade Center. Johnny Spade also callously pointed out the last two movie titles as well, so we just skip right past those. Well, I mean, to be quite honest, I don't even recall Barnyard for $9.7 million in the second week or Pulse for $8.2 million. In the I got week. nothing tracking on Pulse. Something tells me Barnyard is a DreamWorks animated farmyard children's film. But I'm not going to look it up and find out. You know what? I'm just going to go ahead and say I co-sign that and it's born. That's what it Perfect. is. Perfect. Thank you. Pulse? Uh, it's a car horror movie. Erotic thriller. Yeah, I like that. How about you? How about you, Spade? Do I even make erotic thrillers? <laughs> yeah. The, that was pulse. like an 80s thing. Pulse. 80s, 90s. Yeah, you know, they were they were trying to do it in 2006. They're like, Pulse, can you feel it? Can you feel it? <laughs> That's a good fucking question, though, Spade. Like, when was the last time a good erotic thriller hit the scene? Uh, what about that Fifty Shades of Grey? I never saw them, but I don't think they classify under thriller. I think they're just erotic. I don't know. I haven't seen it. I'm pretty sure it's just erotic. There's the the BDSM edge that made fucking old moms get wet in their panties when they were reading it at home. But that's not thrilling if you've watched any amount of porn in your life. That's just every fucking Tuesday night when you're by yourself. <laughs> just Tuesday. It gets weirder on other nights. That's what I'm saying. You get crazy on a Tuesday. <laughs> so how much money did this movie make, Chuck? Um, well, this movie pulled in worldwide $163.2 million approximately with only a $65 million estimated budget. And the king of all foreign lands crushed it. As they point out at the end of the movie specifically by saying people from 87 countries died in, in the crashes. But as they showed throughout the movie, it was a global event too. Like that was not something that just impacted america it impacted everyone so it makes sense that this would draw a global crowd as well as the fact that it's an oliver stone movie and he's and nicholas cage i think that's less important here but maybe not maybe i'm undervaluing him i think oliver the guy crushes in all foreign lands i'm just saying i think oliver stone and world trade center trump nick cage here i think that's a nice third to round things out i think he does really well here but i don't think he's the one who made it go in foreign lands not this time. I think you lead with Nick Cage. Not this time. Hold on. You're leading with Nick Cage over the World Trade Center disaster? <laughs> He's the biggest draw. <laughs> I think you are undervaluing the impact of 9-11. You have forgotten. I have not forgotten. I'm just telling you, this is a movie. I know it's a movie, and sometimes what the movie's about is more important than who's in it. Yeah, I would say that's a good small percentage, but it's percentage. Were there trailers like... 
shots of Nick Cage as a police officer, and people are like, oh my god, Nick Cage, <laughs> a police officer, what is this movie? Nick Cage in World Trade Center. I'm sold. I'm going to this movie. I fucking hope. I hope that's how they sold this movie. They're like, they're like, this fucking guy is a classic fucking classically trained cinema master. No, he's not. His name is Nicholas Cage. <laughs> no, he isn't. <laughs> he's he's like he's oh. he's amazing. All right, so obviously, JT Money pointed out that Oliver Stone directed this movie that was written by Andrea Burlow. Hold on, on the sheet here, you got Oliver Stoner. (laughs) 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 That's the best typo on the sheet you've ever made. I love it. It's Oliver Stone's cousin. You mentioned writer Andrea Burloff. I did. We've already mentioned uh, our our hero, Nicolas Cage, as John McLaughlin. Now, let's not overlook the fact that this movie is based on real people who were involved in the making of the film themselves. Oh, yeah. That's fucking crazy to me, too. I read that, like, right before I watched it, and I was like, oh, so this isn't just, like, Oliver Stone doing 9-11 conspiracy theories, like it's another JFK movie. Like, this is about... The tragedy itself and the human emotion, almost exclusively. Yeah, it was a pretty emotional movie. So Michael Shannon's character was real? Yes, that was based on a real guy who did not participate in the filming of the movie because of Oliver Stone's political feelings towards George W. Bush, which did not line up with David Carnes' feelings, which were very positive. And our other hero, you well, I guess... Mostly our main hero is Nicolas Cage, but our secondary hero, Michael Pena. You know, as far as billing goes, Nick Cage, definitely the star here, but Michael... But there is a shitload of fucking actors in this movie. A ton of actors, but Michael Pena specifically gets as much screen time as Nick Cage does and kills it in this movie. I only know him from comedic roles, honestly. I think this is the first thing I've ever seen him in that was dramatic, and he was fucking stellar and he was meant to provide comedic relief in the kind of situation like he's doing the heart starts heart wrenching way starsky and hutch theme and all that kind of shit like alleviating the tension in the room the same way they're doing for the audience and like he just he was really good in this oh there was a lot of really good acting in this movie uh john bernthal played christopher amoroso he dies right off the bat. Yeah, pretty early in the movie. As soon as the I first, as soon as as soon as the first fucking tower comes down, and the big everyone gets buried and or killed, he's killed in that one. Yeah, because he didn't make it into the uh, elevator area where they all ran to. If if I saw that that was correct, that's where they they went. Now, someone who wasn't in that crash was uh, or that scenario was Maggie Gyllenhaal as. Allison Jimeno. I'm a big fan of Maggie Gyllenhaal. I used to not like Maggie Gyllenhaal, but she has grown on me so much. I really, really like her, and she's great in this. I liked her in this. And Maria Bello is Donna McLaughlin. That's that's how you say that last name. Right? Sure. Yeah, like Sarah McLaughlin. S- spelled spelled thing. differently. I think hers is oh. L A C H L A N, like McLaughlin. Oh. Hey. She. I. I know. I've seen her in other shit before. She was really good in this too. 
All right, so the IMDb breakdown. Would you like to do it this week, JT? Money? I would not. Would you like to do it this week, Johnny Spade? All right. Two Port Authority police officers become trapped under the rubble of the World Trade Center. No, no, no. It's supposed to be World Trade Center of the World Trade Center. <laughs> Well, that cuts right to the heart of it. Like, that's exactly what happens. Like, that's what we focus on, at least. Yeah, that's the big focus. That was, like, the only spoiler I had going into this movie was right when I did the sheet right before we watched the movie. Uh, The only spoiler I had for this movie is that I lived through 9-11 and I knew, like, the major plot point. (laughs) I'm just saying for what I expected the movie to be. No, I... And like I said, just coming off of knowing JFK from Oliver Stone, which is full of the conspiracy theory surrounding that whole situation, I expected this to at least have some sort of political slant to it. I figured it wouldn't go hard on the conspiracy because it was only five years removed. But it it honestly did pretty much remove itself from choosing a political stance on the thing or focusing on anything outside of the tragedy. Nick Cage sums it up at the end by saying, like, that day was about showing... As much as the evil in humanity, the good in humanity, and we need to focus more on that. And that's what the movie really focused on, was people being there for other people. Well, and it was interesting, too, that they showed that, at least through the dialogue in this movie, that the police and everything like that, like the Port Authority police officers in this movie, like Nicolas Cage and all of them portray, uh, that they didn't know really what was going on either. Like, when they were like, oh, the, the like another tower got hit. And they're like, are you like, are you serious? Like, what are you talking about? And they're like, oh man, someone like a like a missile hit the the, the Pentagon. And well, when they went into building like, into the building to try and go in and start rescuing people, all they knew for sure at that point was that a plane had hit one of the towers. They don't know why. They don't know what the context was, and they didn't know for sure that the second plane had hit, although it already had. Like, like you said, they, they didn't have certainty, so they don't, they're not going to say, okay, we know another plane hit until they know for sure. But once they got in there, all hell fucking broke loose, and, like, they were clueless. They knew that they had a, they knew they had a job to do. And it do. all happened real fast, too. I can't even fucking, like, imagine being put in that position. Well, it was crazy, because, like, watching this movie, like, brought me back to, like, thinking about, like, seeing this in real time. And, like, just, like, remembering certain parts about it. And, like, that was really insane. Like, that's where I feel like the emotional connection comes through to the movie. Even if, like, um, you don't have a personal connection to the actual event outside of knowing some, you know, like, maybe, like, like outside of just, like, being here and living through it. Where were you at when you found out about it, Chuck? I was in school in journalism. Journalism. I was in psychology. I think I was in a reading class, and then like right after that class got over, I had to go to history, and that's where we like sat for most of the rest of the couple hours. Yeah, I don't think I even left this class. Like, I remember walking out of class, and people were like, "Oh, we got bombed." I'm like, "What are you talking about?" And then we got in the next class, and then they let us watch the news. Yeah, because like I remember just like like class had started, but the teacher wasn't there. And so, like, we're just kind of like, all right, what the hell is going on? So, like, maybe 10, 15 minutes, and then the teacher comes rushing, and it's just like, like, we're being attacked. Turn on, 
Turn on the TV. I remember, I'll go after it happened, because we were sitting in class. I remember seeing when the second plane hit, like, the TV was on and sitting there watching that. And that was fucked up. But, like, we went on with our day, because, I mean, what else are you supposed to do, I guess? Go home and fucking be in shock about it? Like, I, I don't know. So we go into gym class. I remember not even going to like the rest of my classes oh i remember going to because i remember specifically going to gym class afterwards and we were outside playing softball and there's one particular kid that we all went to high school with so it's this kid who was talking immediately that day about the conspiracy of the united states government being behind the attack that fucking day that i guarantee you he's into fucking QAnon now guarantee it he's deep up into that shit because he was on that conspiracy shit that day. That's wild for me to think about in retrospect. I had no idea about any of that kind of line of thought until yeah. afterwards. And here he is spitting it in gym class. And like, that's just, I don't know, so imprinted in my brain with that day, which is so fucking weird. Wasn't that like part of it? Like Bush was having a really bad term and then this happened and it turned his term around. It goes so much, if you read into it or whatever, I, I try not to subscribe to any crazy thoughts and go down any rabbit holes because it's not, if I can't definitively prove it, I'm not going to hang my hat on it. So why waste my fucking time on conspiracy theories? But anyway, it's deeper than that. It's about control of the American public through the fucking um, Freedom the uh, Patriot Act and shit like that. That was all wrapped up in it, oil and... That shit's a little far-fetched that's what i'm trying to say though i agree with you but that's the kind of shit that became so prevalent afterwards and the internet really held that along the internet's been such a good thing for humanity we can do this uh depends on your definition of the word humanity oh i thought you were gonna pick a different word and i'm really disappointed you said definition of humanity what were you thinking good why would i have to what's the what about humanity how are you defining it differently than me? There are some people that aren't humans. They're just monsters. That doesn't make them not a part of humanity. They may be an aberration and a terrible one at that, but they're still part of the spectrum of what's considered humanity. Debatable. Uh, sure, I'm not going to disagree with that, but I think to not include them just because they suck is stupid. I remember after this happened, like, waiting to see what the government was going to do about it. Like... It's like, we need to go somewhere and fucking kill some people. So they showed us the first bomb strikes on Iraq on live television. It was a perfect thing. For a while. Oh, I remember I remember watching those, too, and just being in fucking shock and awe at what was going on. I was too young when the Gulf War and shit was going on, because that, that got a lot of, of media play, like a live war, essentially. But I was too young to really catch on to that. So when fucking war in Iraq popped off, it was like, oh, fuck, this is really jarring to watch. Like that thing that they just sent that blew up just killed some people. And I watched it happen live. Huh. And they're talking about violent video games. Yeah. One of my favorite part of this movie, when Jesus Christ showed up with a water bottle. Yeah, oh, I God. fucking loved water, Jesus. I even wrote that down. I don't know why they had to have that in the movie. Like. 
It's not supposed to be funny, but that was fucking funny. I, I think <laughs> uh, I think it might have been supposed to be funny. I don't think it was supposed to be funny. I'm guessing it was the true experience of Will Jimeno. Well, yeah, that's what I was thinking is they probably put it in because he said that happened. He was probably him. insistent that that was part of it. He's probably a very religious man to this day, and he's like, no. With Nick Cage's wife, that part towards the end, too, I'm like, this doesn't really help anything go along. Like, but... Well, I think specifically with the water bottle Jesus, this movie need needed to find moments of levity where they could just give you something else. Well, it was in those bonding moments between them when they were talking about their families, their kids, their wives, talking about TV shows, talking about, you know, all that kind of shit that could make you connect with them as a human and in the audience, too, and be like, okay, they're more than just trapped in rubble right now there's some human connection going on here that's making me feel good and sometimes i'm laughing even though i feel like this shouldn't be funny they're intentionally leading me to laugh because they know this is heavy as fuck yeah yeah and that's what i'm saying that's what i'm saying like the good acting in my opinion comes like shines through like i think nicholas cage did a great job in this movie i think michael Payne did an excellent job in this movie i even liked the guy from hostel who I don't remember his name because I didn't put him down on the sheet. Who's but who? Who is he? He died. He died pretty early. Um, he was trying to help get that slab off of Michael Pena, and then when that second oh Pizzullo. collapse happened, Pizzullo. he yeah he got he got roughed up and then he shot his pistol off and the he was guy died. That's what he was from. I'm pretty sure he was from the I, first. I know Hostel. I've seen him in something, but I don't remember. I've that. never seen Hostel, and I didn't recognize him. I've also seen him in a couple of other things. You want to know who I did recognize, Chuck? And you'll take note of this, and maybe you already have. Uh, they made an appearance on the show Psych during its run. They're in this movie. Oh, yeah, definitely. The paramedic? Uh, yeah, the, and then because I was thinking the whole time, I was like, I was like, oh, man, I wonder if like his other side's going to kick in and he's going to like need to go grab a dress. Which other side? Because he had the other other side, too. Oh, yeah, the that's The murderous true too. side. That's why he was but, in rehab. Oh, no, yeah, he just stayed He just stayed a good paramedic the, the whole time. This he's movie. the one who got the delicious Sheboygan brat. Yeah, well, I'm sure a bunch of people got those delicious Sheboygan brats. But we saw him get it for sure. Well, and they're asking him, they're like, why are you here? And he's all like, paramedic, like, no hesitation. After initially, wasn't he all like, ah, yeah, like, I used to be a paramedic. He said his license was lapped. It's been a rough few years, and it turns out he'd been in rehab. So so one thing I noticed that uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal did, when they find out that they're getting rescued and they're going to be at the hospital, and she comes where everyone else is at waiting for the news, she hugs her mom, and then she's, she's got her daughter in her arms, She's five months pregnant, hugging her mom, hugging her dad. Hanging out on the outside is someone who we've barely been introduced to outside of her kneeling in the kitchen, praying for her son to be saved. Um, Maggie Gyllenhaal completely ices her, does not give her a hug at all. And one of the actresses who's clearly playing the mother-in-law's daughter jumps in and gives her a hug to make it not look awkward as fuck because Maggie Gyllenhaal just ignored her mother-in-law. When they find out that her son and slash husband is going to live. Yeah, that's funny because I never even thought about that. What the fuck was that? Yeah, I didn't really I just, I thought, think about it I either. looked at it this way because they introduced us to that weird scene where she's praying in the kitchen kneeling. And not that 
that's weird but that maggie gyllenhaal walks in sees her doesn't really acknowledge it and then walks out when her mom comes in and is going to disturb it well i caught i think she was trying to give her her space i agree 100 percent. but i thought that that's why i was looking at them later when she came back and i'm like okay we're gonna see an embrace here otherwise why did we even acknowledge their relationship earlier if there's not going to be some sort of like i I don't know but she didn't even look at her mother-in-law didn't even look at her like what the fuck in a movie full of great emotional connections that feels like terrible direction to let that slip through especially when they had the really nice heartwarming um connection between pena and gyllenhaal and they kept on like saying like oh like i like this name or like i like olivia or i like Alyssa, and then they both like flip-flopped when they were like like she yeah she like she thinks he's dying dude and he and she comes downstairs she's just like yeah the baby's gonna be named Alyssa, and everybody in the house is kind of like uh this is kind of a weird time to announce that. <laughs> and she's like it's what he wanted it's what will wanted and then like they they cut to like down in the rubble and he's talking to nick and he's like hey yo uh I'm name a daughter olivia that's what my wife wants He's like, so I want it. And Nick's like, don't go to sleep. I'm just going to catch a few Z's. But don't go to sleep. Don't go to sleep, damn it. Why didn't you take that water bottle from Jesus? I could have used it. They both ended up going to sleep for a little while. And if he'd have taken that water bottle, he wouldn't have been coming back from that nap, buddy. Yeah, probably. That water, but Nick, it, you know Nick was bit. That water bottle. Like, Give me that water, man. Now that water bottle. Like, I envy you with that pipe, baby. That's what I was thinking. It should have been the devil with the water bottle. Come on, you want the water? No, this man apparently lived a good life. He's going to heaven. Yeah, but wouldn't the devil be the one that was tempting you? I don't think it was a temptation. It was a gift. It was like, I know how much you want this right now. You can get all the water you need up in heaven, dog. It's glorious up here. But I'll give you a water fountain in your house, bro. Right, this is just a taste. I will get you a water fountain that shoots out water bottles. I will get you the best water Ever. It's everything you need water for in heaven. Because you like water. To taste it, Yeah, because you like water. You can have anything you want. It's fucking heaven. So you can just keep drinking it and keep drinking it and never have to pee. Never have. That's the thing. You don't want to pee. You don't have to pee. Your body will just absorb all that water. Yeah, it just goes nowhere. Well, it was just all in your head. You think you're drinking water, but you're not really drinking water. Yeah, that's probably what yeah, happens. Yeah, it's just your consciousness up there. So you feel like it's happening, but nothing's really happening. Perfect. <sighs> I can't wait for this fake thing to happen to me. <laughs> it should have tied into uh, the good place. Hey, hey, you know what I got to tell you about that? Why don't you forget about it? Forget about, forget it. about it. Forget about Why it. Why don't you just forget about it? Forget about it. Hey, you know what I do? I love, I love New York. Hey, that's all I got to say. Wisconsin loves New York. Forget about it. So, Wait, that's not right. Forget about it. Never forget it. Never forget about it. <laughs> Never forget. <laughs> Never forget about Always it. Always be remembering to forget about it. That should be the tagline. Never forget about it. <laughs> With the D's in there, F U G E D D A. Forget about it. <laughs> With Johnny Depp. Oh, that's the last person I'd want to fucking see in this movie. <laughs> but the Donnie Brasco, the forget about it makes me think about Donnie Brasco. I just want to forget about Johnny Depp. So there was one point 
uh, considering I'm a big technology fan these days. You're loving technology. <laughs> there's uh, there's this particular scene where they are going to the pharmacy I, to pick I up. I fucking knew you were going to bring this up. I fucking knew it. <laughs> to, to get some medicine for Maggie. And I don't know exactly what it was for. I guess it was just for her to, like, calm the fuck down. Her dad kept saying it was for the baby in a really weird way. Yeah. Probably Valium. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was like, this got to be, like, Valium. So, like, she could just, like, chill the fuck out. But I don't know. Can you take Valium when you're uh, when you're uh, pregnant, pregnant da- with the baby? Dad said it's for the baby, so obviously yeah. so. Dad knows best. I don't know all the drugs, but the only things I could think of is either Valium or Xanax. I mean, you can let us know at com. You know, let us know what the fuck is up. Down below in the comments. Yeah, if you were ever pregnant and your dad tried to persuade you to take some mystery drug from the pharmacy while your husband was trapped in rubble, please reach out. Yeah, one nine hundred fifty Randy Quaids. Hey, at least she was like married and already had a kid. Like, if she was a teenager, you'd be really worried about what that drug is. Nine ninety nine a minute. Nine ninety nine a drug. Yeah. Uh, what else was it? Oh, yeah. So what I was getting to was they're at the pharmacy, right? And she's all like, what am I doing here? Like, and she's looking for her phone. She's like, shit, I forgot my phone. And she's all like, hey, let me see your phone. And her brother's like, uh, I forgot it. And then she says to her sister or sister-in-law, she's all like, hey, let me see your phone. And she's all like rifling through her purse, looking, looking, looking. And she's like, wouldn't you know I forgot it? And I was like, dude, you can tell us it's 2001 because people just be forgetting their fucking phones. Nowadays, in 2020, this is like a function of reality for you. I think that's a part of it for sure. Honestly, I thought you were going to overlook that. But also, they're all in shock over what's happening. So they're going to fucking forget a whole lot of shit right now. Oh, well, that too. And But but that was just the one uh, immediate thing I thought of. I was like, oh, you can tell us 2001. It's like in 2020, I'm all like walking like if when I'm leaving for work, it's like, all right, I have my keys, my phone, my wallet, my cigarettes. Like, that's I didn't what I even had. know people had cell phones in 2001 or at least not a lot of them. I had a cell phone in 2001. So did I, I. I knew people had pagers in 2001. I never had a pager. I never had a page. I didn't get one. I I couldn't get a cell phone until I got a job and could pay for it. My parents were like, no, you can't have a cell phone. But I was like, listen, a bunch of my friends have cell phones. This chick I work with has a cell phone, and I want to text with her, so I'm going to get a cell phone. I remember being at like $50 a month back then, and that was still fucking... Yeah, That was still a lot. No, that was a lot. For fucking minimum wage, working at fucking Chili's at the to-go window, $50 a month was a hefty price. And it's not a smartphone either, you know? You don't got apps. You don't got the internet. No, yeah, you had Snake, and then texting like by just hitting a bunch of buttons. And you could download ringtones of songs that had been turned into eight bit cell phone rings for like two ninety nine a piece, baby. Yeah, it was fucking awful times. <laughs> Those were the best of times. But now it's like I got a cell phone that does the exact same thing that this iPad. No, does. you have a computer. All of them are just different sized computers. Yeah, pretty That's much. Exactly That's exactly what they what are. They are. Because they do a lot of things. This is also super important to what happened on 9-11. <laughs> I mean, it, it pertains to the movie. What else pertains to the movie? The scene. last thing I wanted to point out, the last thing I have written down here, they're pulling John out of the rubble. They've got him free. They're working him up. He's not out yet. I don't smile a lot. That happened beforehand, but yes, he definitely said people don't like him because he doesn't smile a lot. And that seemed true, but here's the thing. He seemed like a likable enough guy to me. 
before yeah it seemed like a weird observation like a, a weird self-observation maybe it was true though or maybe he felt that way like you know maybe it wasn't true but he doesn't smile at or felt he didn't they showed him smile at least once when did he say that's why he didn't make lieutenant is because he didn't smile yeah because people don't like him because he doesn't smile that's why he didn't get the call up that's what he said yeah so which seems like a weird reason to not get lieutenant this guy doesn't smile, man. But no. We're not going to propose. So they get him free. They're pulling him up. And he's like, Ben, in and out, in and out, in and out for what seems to be hours. But dude who's pulling him up is saying a whole bunch of most encouraging things. He says a thing to him. We didn't give up. Don't you give up. And I'm like, that's a whole lot of pressure to put on a man who's already pretty much dead. Like, you don't got to put him on the spot like that. Keep saying all the other encouraging things, but don't be like, you got to do this, bud. You got to survive or else everything we just did was for nothing. Like, buddy, I've been down here for probably like 12 hours. I've been surviving. This is on you now. Hey, 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 hey. Forget about it. And he did when they put him in a medically induced coma and gave him 27 fucking surgeries. Yeah, that was He probably forgot about a lot of things. Yeah. Or was trapped in it again. Wouldn't that be a motherfucker? That would suck. I mean, I hope it was just awesome Ima- for imagine, him when he was in the coma. But Imagine being put in that coma and it turns Ooh. out you're in Nightmare on Elm Street and Freddy Krueger's up in your fucking mix. Oh, that'd be not good. How about for you? What would be a bad one for Oh, you know what would be really bad for me? If I'm just laying there and then like all of a sudden I'm in the coma and like a fan just falls on me and crushes me in my sleep. Like homeless sleep. So I'm dead. You and the fan. That's weird. Dude, I fucking, I hate them. I just, I don't trust that they're going to stay there. How many fans? Like, Go ahead. I'm sorry, Johnny. I don't like ceiling fans just because they get fucking dusty as fuck on the top part. And I'm like, fuck, I don't want to fucking clean that. I say just get rid of them all. Fuck ceiling fans. Hashtag get rid of them. I'm a big fan of ceiling fans. Hashtag forget about it. <laughs> Hashtag fan fan. Double F. Uh, I'll subscribe to Spade, but not to Money. <laughs> I'm not interested in what you're subscribing to. I got my... Hashtag forget about him. <laughs> Hashtag free Fortnite. Hashtag... You guys probably don't know what that Hashtag is. Hashtag for shop for show. Nope. Hashtag for shop for <laughs> show. Hashtag Frederick Fricky. Hashtag Cage Duck. World Trade Center? <laughs> All right. So the most heartwarming moment in this entire movie for me had to be when they first started letting the families know like like a move like a, a moment that you pointed out earlier so cynically i'm pointing out is one of the most heartwarming moments of the movie overall i agree with you but that one particular fucking snub <laughs> is rubbing me the wrong way like it didn't ruin the movie for me but it, it was a glaring thing that just didn't line up with everything else it really bugged me but sorry that just makes me think of Star Wars. Yeah, it was Force Awakens when uh, Leia never hugged Chewie after Han died, and people pointed that out, and then the directors were like, yeah, we messed oh, up. Oh, yeah, I remember that, too. It's, it, but it's so glaring in that scene, too, because like, it's fucking Chewie, first of all. He's gigantic. You can't miss him. And then he doesn't hug this woman who would have been just as close to him as Han was by the end. Yeah. You would assume so, at least. It f- sure felt like it. But anyway, I don't mean to yell about Star yeah, Wars. I mean, it was just—it was heartwarming. just a heartwarming moment, and it was like probably the one that brought me closest to being like, 
Hold it in. Oh, buddy, I was fucking crying like an hour into this bitch when they were in that rubble talking about their families and shit tears just flowing. People dying? Are you kidding me? I couldn't stop it. It was... I don't know, this movie just fucking hit me. Dude, I thought that one guy was about to kill himself when he pulled his gun out. I was like, oh. Oh, yeah, that's what I was thinking, So was I, and I was like, oh, here we go, here we go. preemptively wrote it down on the sheet. I was like, oh, he pulls his gun. I was like, Hassel pulls his gun out and shoots himself in the head. And then, like, I had to cross it out and be like, no, actually, he just fired a shot off into the sky and then just kind of passed away. No, they really stayed away from any sort of violence or straight up like human gore from like the injuries and stuff which i think was the right call you didn't need any of that to know what kind of fucking peril they were in they kind of showed will's legs at the end where all the blood had been fucking like storing up so they were super swollen but yeah and that was that was kind of shitty to see but it wasn't like you didn't see snapped limbs you didn't see someone shoot themselves in the head like Nah, so that was that was good because they did the emotional connection they went with in this is what caught me off guard. I just didn't see it going that way. And as the movie goes on, they introduce more and more characters, more and more of the people who show up on the scene to help out and go in and get them out. We haven't even touched on really Michael Shannon at all and his fucking quest from God to go and and find these people. Oh yeah, I, I'm I'm a big fan of Michael Shannon. I've liked him and. Uh... Lots of projects that he's done. Agreed. And so I was really excited when I saw that he was in this movie because I didn't. His name's obviously not on the sheet, and I I didn't even notice when I was scrolling down because there's just so many people in this fucking movie. Did you see Boardwalk Empire? Yeah, yeah, that's how I know Michael. Shannon. That's the first place I ever saw him at, and yeah. he was so fucking good in yeah. that. It was fucking weird, but oh yeah, yeah oh yeah. I think he always fantastic. plays a little bit of a weird guy, though. So I saw that movie Iceman with him in it. Yeah, I was going to say, he's in the Iceman. Hitman. have not seen that. You know what that I is. I know what about, it is. Right? I haven't seen it okay. because I've heard it's nothing like what really happened, so I don't care. No, yeah, it's just a movie. Right, so I'm not really big into Hitman movies, so this has no draw to me in the first place, especially if it's not even accurate. Yeah. Well, when he was at the at the barber shop getting his hair cut, I was like, "Oh shit, is he going with the high and tight? Because he's gonna fucking go over there." That's exactly. Sure enough, that's what happened. Oh, I fucking I saw it from a mile away. Like this guy is gonna go and he's gonna do the damn thing. He just walked right in. Because who's really gonna stop him? No one. Obviously, that's a fucked up thing to go. Yeah, do. and he and he had the uh, the uh, like. It's not like he's just some stranger. Like he was a legitimate. You could tell, like... You said he's staff sergeant. Yeah, that's a, a thing that just popped in my head. That's like a Michael Shannon thing where he's like, anything shorter I can call you? Staff sergeant. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Yeah, instead of going with Carnes, he's like, you know, you could give me my proper rank. Or, like, his first name. But I don't know if that's how it is in the Marines, but in the Army, staff sergeant's just sergeant. Yep. Yeah. You don't call somebody a staff sergeant, they're just sergeant. I'm not sure either. Might be different in the Marines, I don't know. My dad was a Marine. That's all I know about the Marines. I mean, I know a little more than that, but... Devil Dog, I heard him say that. Marines bonding on the, the war, on the battlefield. So was that just another random military former military guy that was out there he ran into because he was like if someone says something to us you just keep walking you don't hear them uh, well i think he was wearing a comrade helmet he might have worked for comrade and been a former marine 
Yeah, that's possible. It, it, that makes it, a, I, a lot of sense. I didn't catch the comment thing, but it definitely felt like the implication was Marine because Karn's, it seemed like they had some sort of ability to be. Carnes called him Devil Dog, and he's not the kind of guy who's going to call another dude a Marine nickname if he's not a Marine. I'm guessing it said Marine on his fucking fatigues. Yeah, you're probably right. I didn't look at that either, well, though. Is there uh, anything else that either of you want to talk about? Um, World Trade Center? I just... Before we get into the radio. I wish they would have marketed with Jesus Christ brand water bottles during this time frame. It would have been a great tie-in for a movie about the World Trade Center. Forget about it! I will. I thank you. I will. One thing is when they got there, they were just moving so slow. Like, they want to go save all these people, but they're just walking around, like, not with any increased pace at all. And that was just bugging me. I'm like, why aren't you guys acting like you're in a fucking hurry? You're just walking at a normal pace. Well, when they, like, in the beginning of the movie? When they got to the Trade Center and they were getting all that gear, they were just walking around. Yeah, it did kind of seem like they were just, like... They could really only move as fast as the gigantic bin full of oxygen tanks... So that's probably going to hold them up a little bit. But even before they got that, they were still just walking. In fucking shock. I I mean, again, you got to take that into account. They're looking at an unprecedented situation that they've obviously got no plan for. Are you going to be in a super hurry when you're in this? I've been in shock and just a head-on collision before. I can't imagine being at the front lines. They even showed that shot of them looking up at the tower and the plane having hit it. I just imagine looking up and seeing that you're going to be in shock immediately. Yeah, but they're cruising to get there. They're cruising down those roads to get there, and then they get there and they just walk. Well, they, they did mention they weren't, that like they, they did not have a plan for. Yeah, this. I was going to bring that up too. Is like in the beginning they said that it was a commuter plane, which I'm assuming they mean like one of those smaller planes. No, commuter plane is like the seven. That's a commercial. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. But then they said that they don't, they didn't have a plan for something like that. And I was asking Chuck this earlier. Like, you think now after this has happened, like bigger cities that have bigger buildings like that have protocol now to where like if a something like that happens, they wait to go. They definitely have protocol after that happened. To what it is, I have no idea. But I'd imagine there's not going to be that immediate rush in that happened here because of what happened. Yeah. Let things fall where they may. Unfortunately, that's just how it's got to be. Because even doing what they did, like they said, they pulled out 20 people. That's it. They lost more people trying to get people, I'm guessing. I would say that's probably a fair assessment. 20? I didn't know that stat before this movie. Only 20 fucking people pulled out of that rubble alive. Yeah, that's pretty insane. And they were 18 and 19. Say I was. So like three people were pulled out. And after the first day, because they were pulled out technically on the second day. Yeah, you're not going to live long. Nine, twelve. Not going to live long in that situation, unfortunately. Well, and like that was one of the the things that they brought up that Michael Pena brought up during the movie. It was like it was like there was an earthquake and like a three year old got trapped under something, so she was in like some sort of rubble like similar to what they were in situationally and she was there for four days so we've been doing a lot of talking about numbers let's move to the important numbers in the episode chuck and not the 900 line important numbers 
Oh, one nine hundred fifty Randy Quaid. Yeah, no, nine ninety nine a minute. Not that one. Let's talk about the rating scale here. Oh, you mean the the rating scale of one to fifty Randy Quaid's, where one is the worst and fifty is the greatest? I do mean that. And how IMDb gave World Trade Center uh, twenty nine point five Randy Quaid's out of fifty, little above average. I mean. Not average, but I mean, you know, we're we're twenty five is that, you know, like anything above it is good, anything below it is bad. I, I do like sort of I, I like your detailed breakdown of how the rating system works here on the sheet, uh, with one being horrible, fifty being the best movie ever, which I think those are fair indicators of those numbers. But you so graciously point out that two through forty nine happen to be anywhere in between. I'm I didn't yeah, yeah. I didn't know I didn't know so now I know. And I didn't have to call the hotline either. You gave me that one for free. I'm a gracious host. That's what I'm saying. Some might call me humble. <laughs> some. Some. Chuck Humble Banner. Yeah, I mean, like, that's... I've heard that's what I'm called. I've heard you say that you've heard you have been called that. I'm just going to start making up nicknames for myself and saying that's what people say about me. How do you think I got called... <laughs> that's not what I do. JT Money. I actually hear the rubble. I gave myself JT Money and it wasn't even on purpose. That's the problem. It's how I gave myself JT. <laughs> so I gave myself HIV. I gave myself, a, <laughs> I gave myself a JT money like I gave myself a wet ham sandwich. Never wet, always dry. <laughs> a dry ass sandwich. Yeah, I like my sandwiches dry. Uh, what would you like to rate this movie on a scale of 1 to 50, Randy Quaid's Mr. JT Port Authority mustache money? I'm coming in high on this movie. I really am. And I'm giving it a 40. I bet you're coming Whoa. in high on this. Hey, thing. hey, forty. I bet you're coming in. Now that part is 40. wrong as hell, buddy. Let's not get. I just said the phrase differently. This, all right, this was all the same letters, words. This was an emotional movie that hit me in all the right places, and it's because it was so unexpected. I didn't think it was going to be as heartfelt and almost sincere as it was along the way despite some of the snubbery that might have happened that i don't appreciate but everything else the tension they built none of it felt gratuitous either like they were spitting in the face of 9-11 what happened it all felt like it was done I did read that like they reached out to 9/11 victims, like advocacy groups, the the fire department, the police department, all these places to like make sure that what they were doing wasn't going to be offensive. So on top of the guys who it was based on being involved, they really reached out and like we want to make sure we're not pissing anyone off. You're always going to piss someone did they, off, but did did you do a fair amount of research for this? Ask movie? me a question, I'll tell you if I researched it. Did they use uh, a fair amount of actual 9-11 footage in this movie? I don't think a lot of it. There was, when they showed the news clips and like the home video footage, especially like it's towards like the middle of the movie when they were kind of pulling yeah. back out from what happened on the site and they were introducing all the different family members and they were showing the news clips and you were hearing the news clips. A lot of that was definitely real footage, real broadcast audio recordings legitimately from the day and the time. Yeah. But what they did with like shots of the building and stuff as it was happening, that was all recreated. Oh, okay. Like when they got to the site and they did the pan up on it that I brought up earlier, that was definitely digitally animated. It was too well shot to be anything else. 
But they used a lot of yeah, that makes sense. They used a lot of real stuff in here, and I think that added to it a lot too. Like they didn't shy away from the reality of the news coverage that happened that day or the footage that was shown. Real early on, they show someone jumping out of a fucking building and they watch the descent going down. And that's what kind of put me on my guard a little bit as far as like the guy shooting himself later. Because I was like, they're already kind of delving into the people were committing suicide to get out of the situation. Oh, God. Yeah, the the complete and utter darkness of this. So when they didn't go that way again, I, I don't know. I really, I thought it was well done. Um, it didn't feel like it's runtime. It was over two hours, not by too much, but it definitely was. And it didn't feel like it to me. It, the way they, the story flowed and they introduced everything in and jump back and forth, like just really well done. So 40 for World Trade Center. Johnny Spade, would you like to grace us with your opinion? I think I'm going to round off IMDB here and give it a 30 Randy Quaid's. Dot com. It was... It was compelling. It kept my attention. It was emotional. There was a few parts where I'm like, oh, man, they got me. But I don't know. I feel like going into this movie, like before it like came out, even like I would think a movie about this would be like an Academy Award quality movie. And I don't think it hit that mark. No, you're definitely right about that. I agree with you there. But I mean, it was good. I liked it. I think it might have came out too early to be... Like, if it was done more like 10 years later or maybe even longer than that, maybe I think it would it could be more like... And, and then, like, on top of it, too, like, I, I think they would be better off to not follow just one singular story like they did if they're going to go for, like, the big award. But I think the movie was really well done, mostly. Would you guys see this movie and recommend it? See it again and and recommend it to others? I probably wouldn't see it again. Not that it was bad. It's just not something that I want to experience again. I agree with that, too. Like I, I liked it for what it was, but I don't need to do it again. And I'd only recommend it to certain people. I'd tell my mom to watch it. What I did like about this movie... Like, and like I'm, I'm not saying I didn't like the movie, because I, I was pleasantly surprised by what i got i did not expect this movie and i liked it i thought the acting was really good and everything like that like you guys i really have no desire to see it again just because like that happened i saw it i don't really want to do it again but yeah i would recommend that people watch it because it is something that like did happen yeah i think i'd only recommend it if somebody asked me like hey i'm thinking about watching this movie i'd be like yeah watch it but i'm not gonna go and be like oh hey, yeah man you need to watch this i'm movie. not gonna go out and like actively tell people to watch it but you know someone... movie i am gonna recommend people go watch is jojo rabbit i do really want i haven't seen it either yeah check it out you got hbo check it out it's good. i don't have hbo what makes you think i have hbo i thought you had hbo i, I got hbo no i'm thinking about i mean Rack. i could i I'm could about rick i yeah, I have, I have. The uh, more, not to go too far off topic here, but the more I hear about HBO Max and what's really going to sell me on here is going to be Lovecraft Country. I'm going to have to get HBO. Oh, the new one was on tonight. Yeah, I think tonight was episode two. Oh shit, that already started. Yeah, yeah it's all right so far. All right, then I'm gonna have to jump in on that. Jojo Rabbit. Jojo Rabbit. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, and I'm almost, I'm almost done with um, season three of Westworld. I'm not actively watching any television shows at the moment. Well, 
Yeah. Outside I'm of actively watching too much. I've got Dawson's Creek going. That's it right now. Otherwise, I'm just watching movies. So, yeah, I'm I'm gonna give this movie. Uh, I'm gonna split the difference. I'm gonna give it a 35. I think it was well done, well acted, everything like that. I don't really want to see it again. If someone asked me if they should watch it, I'd be like, yeah, you know, give it a watch. But what I specifically remember while watching this movie is it brought me to the time of 2001 when it seemed like the majority of the country seemed to be rallying around, uh, like, just, like, America. I don't know if there's anything else to say other than that. but just No, like, that's pretty much sums it up. And And now in 2020... It's like the world is completely different because like for years after 9-11, it was like America loved the police and the fire. And now like America hates the police. Are you going to turn this into a political podcast right now? Because you, you started no, I'm this. just I'm just saying. I'm just saying. That's what. If you're going to bring it up, I can talk about it. But I know you are resistant. No, it's just, it's just, it's just a, a news item that I think is interesting. And you know the internet, baby. It's all about the internet and its influence on the spread of information. But either way, I'd say I give it a thirty-five. And uh, Chuck Banner here at Fifty Randy Quades absolutely loves the internet because that's how we get our uh, our podcast out there to the tens and tens of listeners. JT Money uses the internet, and that's as far as I'll comment on it. All right, guy. You care to have any uh, positive and or negative um, comments about the internet? I love the internet. Ah, so that's uh, two people who love I the internet. Don't like social media. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people do. Well, I think a lot of people do. Fuck you. Even if they hate it, they're fucking addicted to it. Forget about it. Forget about it. It is addictive. And I think that we can all agree that you can catch all our episodes on uh, iTunes and Apple Podcasts and 50randyquades.com. Smash that bell. You can also uh, follow us on Twitter at 50randyquades and like us on Facebook. 1-900-50randyquades. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Nine ninety nine a minute. Just so you know. 1-900-creek-chat. Chucky B's answering the phone lines. Nine ninety nine a minute. No, that one's a little bit cheaper. Nine ninety eight. Oh, I see. We're offering deals now. Deals, deals for Cree Chat promotional. Call on September eleventh. Get five percent off. No, get get eleven percent. Nine eleven. Nine point eleven percent off. Nine hundred and eleven percent off. Everything's free. You got to pay them to call. Yeah, well, it's a hundred percent free, but we're only open for nine to eleven seconds. <laughs> wow. I nine eleven today. Um, next time on 50 Randy Quades, episode 11. Nope. Episode 114. <laughs> the Wicker Man. Is that Iron Maiden? It's an Iron Maiden song, The Wicker Man. Well, this would happen to be the one that refers to, uh, Next in line of the Cage Saga. The remake of the classic The Wicker Man. Is that a horror to movie? To an even more classic, number 46th 
to be precise, Nicholas Cage. Oh no, it, it's it's more classic in the schlocky B movie way than it is the original, which is generally held as a classic. Although I feel like you would tell me you like the Nick Cage version better. I like my version the best, What's the one mean? where we talk about it on the next episode. Fit ready, quite. But until next time, we watch movies so you don't have to. Peace, Peace out. out. <laughs>